0: You start talking with them. You start speaking with them. And in 5 to 10 minutes, take the conversation. You steer up to Jesus Christ and tell them about the gospel of our Lord. I learned how to speak with people about the love of Lord Jesus Christ with her. The first two years, whenever I was sharing the gospel with someone, I would follow her routine to the letter. Until eventually I got some confidence and started doing something of my own. But I think it's incredibly important and sometimes overlooked to learn how to... And to teach our people how to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, in the church I worked, I, I was sometimes surprised how hard it is for people young and old, to articulate the gospel. If you come to somebody and ask, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or if you come to an even simpler question, who is Jesus Christ? I came to a broad spectrum of answers and quite often, quite love, hearts full of love, but quite inaccurate, quite far off, quite uh, quite hard to answer as Peter teaches us be ready to answer the reason of her faith. And the reason of our faith is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's incredibly important. To us to teach one another. And to be ready and to be prepared. And to be properly equipped to articulate the gospel. It's not, it's not easy. That's why things for example like the four spiritual laws was famous for so long. It's a perfect script. Is an incomplete script. It's, it's not a, 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 at all the most efficient ever, but for many years worked because anybody with little training could take a pamphlet with the four spiritual walls and be able to share a core aspect of the gospel with a friend or a whoever. The core of the evangelism, as I see it, is exemplified in Acts chapter 3, the, the Peter discourse, at the Pentecost. When he what he does, if you look to his sermon, he points to what's happening, saying, This is not drunk people, this is the fulfillment of the promise of the Lord. And what he does is he takes the Jesus they know. Like you know Jesus Christ, a man full of power, sent by God, and who full of power and miracles and all these things happen. And he steered the look of the people to the Jesus they think they know, to the risen Lord and Christ. And if you look at the end of his sermons exactly like this. This Jesus Christ that you killed, God has made him Lord and Christ. And the sermon basically ends there. Whenever we we evangelize, we should be trying to present the gospel. And take people from the Jesus you think you know. To the risen Lord and Christ, I I give an opening here. Uh, I have a friend of mine, a lovely man, very smart, very dedicated, a master, a teacher. He struggles with evangelism quite a lot because he says that if you don't have a gift of evangelism, it's quite hard. He would testify that I would sit with the guy, tell him about Jesus, explain the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation of Jesus Christ talk with him over and over, and the person would not, not react in any way. Then come my friend, who is a gift for evangelists, and say, Jesus loves you. And the guy starts crying and say, Jesus loves me. I need to confess my sins and turn my life and give myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this point of uh, gifting and how these things work out in the church is what takes me to the second concept this morning. Evangelization. I struggled myself for quite a while with the concept of evangelization. Uh, distinguish it from evangelism was quite hard for me. I over the years talked with many, many different people, and and until this week I couldn't actually separate them. Um, but I came with an interesting definition uh, that Catholic. Catholics prefer this term over evangelism. And they think this term in a broader sense. It's not just the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. It's actually the intentional, strategic approach towards sharing the love of Christ and testimony of Christ with other people. So, if evangelism is a simple act of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I understand evangelization as the Communal effort towards being capable to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If in the basic level, this can be done, evangelism can be done one-on-one. Evangelization is something that only the body of Christ together can do. Only when the body of Christ, of, if all, with all its parts articulated together, all the gifts serving together, all the different ministries in the local church working together. We are capable of being intentional in reaching others, in as a community, as the ecclesia of our Lord, sharing with others the love of Christ. Um, in I try to work this in my church. I, I God gave me the opportunity in Brazil when I was quite young to start uh, work with evangelism. The church where I grew up, it was a strong evangelistic church. Opened many, many works. But over the years, people got tired of going out and start trying to call people in. And the Lord put in my heart a strong love to reaching out to other people and sharing the love of Christ. God provided me then two amazing uh, peers to work with me. Um, one was a woman gifted in, in spiritual discernment, a woman of prayer, a woman of strong dedication, and another a man with the gift of serving. And And we served there for almost five years, trying to help the church to reignite the love for reaching people and sharing the gospel of Christ, teaching people how to evangelize, putting the church intentionally towards evangelization. Uh, but nowhere I lived it so well structured and so intentional as when I was in intervarsity. Basically, because in Brazil, that's what intervarsity is about. We used to say that we are like an arm of the church inside university. So the only purpose we are here is to reach out other people, other students, with the love of Christ. So anything we would do, if we would gather together to eat, if we would gather together to study the scriptures, if we would gather together to pray if you get together to make administrative decisions, whatever we're doing, we're intentionally doing it so that, or in order that, or for the purpose of sharing the love of Christ with our fellow students. Uh, this can take many, many, many shapes. This can take many, many formats. But this intentionality is hard for it. Of course, not everybody is going to be evangelizing or ev- working with evangelization every time, every 24 hours, but this intention, this care for, this structure of the <coughs> local church itself, this articulation of the body of Christ itself towards reaching others with the love of Christ is what I understand and what I experienced as evangelization. Um, I, I, I tell that I... Work with this ministry with a weird name called uh, Evangelist Ministry. I use this term because I don't know which uh, better term to to define it. But over the years, I noticed that obviously the same time, the same way, the worship team does not exist, so they worship and we watch them worshiping. Uh, evangelist Ministry does not exist, so we do the evangelism while the church or the rest of the community do whatever else must be done. But just as a worship team, prepare themselves to help we all together as a community worship God together. Evangelist ministry, whatever it might be, exists to serve the church in being prepared and to be ready and to be equipped and to have opportunity to, as a body, as a community, as a single body, Reach others with the love of Christ. And as I mentioned, this can take many forms. And this is what I understand as outreach. Evangelism is when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody. Evangelization is the intentionality of we looking forward structurally, with a structure, sorry, to do so. Outreach is when we reach to others with the love of Christ. In my personal experience, it is striking in three major experiences. Obviously, outreach can be done creating a comfortable and a welcoming environment for people to come to us. Um, we did it in, in uh, during the co- during college year for a time. We created something a uh, Christianity week. We prepared lectures, presentations, artistic presentations, and we would have a whole week inviting our fellow students to talk about faith, to discuss about the the cultural inheritance of Christianity in our culture, to listen to good Christian culture, and to reflect on the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ in all these things. Uh, This model of invitational outreach... It's, it's very it's very lovely. It's very uh, effective, actually. It's, it's important for us to create a, a welcoming environment for people from outside to come and listen. However, I agree with an Argentinian evangelist that I, I read many years ago. Um, I couldn't find his book in English, so I don't know if it was published in English. But he mentions that it's quite different... When there's somebody walking in the desert. And you come to them and say, look, five miles on your, from here, there is a, an oasis. Walk with me there and there you have water and then you have a party and you can eat and drink and, and stay in the shade. The person may look at you and may believe you or may not believe you and may go or may not go, depending on how thirsty and how desperate the person is but it's quite different if there's somebody walking in the desert and you come in with a truck with the aircon on and cold beverages in the back and say, hey, hop in, I have cold beverages and I'm going to a hoasis down the street five miles from here, I drive you there. The appeal on the second one, it's way more convincing. He used to say, this man, that... I believe, at least, I would be more tempted in the second one... Uh, his base concept is that yes people do need jesus christ that's what they actually do need in their lives the problem is that they don't know they need jesus christ in their lives they think they need food on their table or a shelter on the on the over their hoof or a roof over their head sorry <laughs> or <laughs> or maybe they think they need to solve their teenage kid problem or they have to uh, get together with their wedding. Or maybe there is the the work that's killing them and they need to find a different job. That's what they think they need, to have a happy, fulfilled life and and, and thriving human experience. So unless we are capable to reach out to them, not to evangelize but to reach out to them in love and serve them, so that in being served, they know that, oh, I don't actually, what I need to be fulfilled is not a roof, is not a plate, is not a better wedding. I need something else. We will hardly be able to make people listen to the gospel of Christ. The strongest uh, experience I had with that was also in college. We had this, uh, the LGBT plus I'm never sure if I get in the letters straight but I think that's the <coughs> proper term now community in college was being strongly politically active in my first years in college and they prepare a week of discussion about the LGBTQ plus uh, situation in society and etc a friend of mine better gifted than me to take action quickly notes it on Friday We have an intervastic meeting on Saturday. On Monday, he had shirts ready for us to go there. Uh, It was one of the hardest and most shaping experience I ever had. We We spent one week getting every morning to pray and going every afternoon to talk with them, not trying to evangelize them in the sense of presenting to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But because they're inviting them to discuss the situation, we reached out to them in love. We said to them, we learned, we heard what they had to say. We asked questions. We presented what we think about it. God acted marvel, in marvel ways. Uh, they invited us, the leadership invited us to go with them to eat we talked with them for many hours. We 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 were hated by some, accused, and some people not even look in your eyes. But some people would sit with us, talk with us, and only it was mostly three of us. Other people from Intervesti came, but the core were three of us: three engineers, straight uh, male who never dated in their lives were going reaching out in the love of Christ, to LGBTQ community, <laughs> largely situating the philo- philosophy uh, building. But the leader of them, one of the leaders was a transgender woman, and one of my friends had the opportunity to actually evangelize her, sit with her, present her the gospel. Among them was uh, the son of a pastor from a large church in, in Brazil, and he was sharing with us the struggle of being grow up in the in the church, and how he was feeling accepted or not accepted. There was an important uh, LGBTQ representative from the United States, worldwide famous uh, speaker. Luckily, I don't remember his name, but it impacted me by the end. He called the three of us. He grew up in the Bible Belt, so he also struggled with faith and, and sexuality. And he said, many years ago, I wrote a book about... Uh, Religion, I think that's the thing he used. And I have to say that you were the first ones I ever see doing what I believe was the right thing to do towards the LGBTQ community. And I'm going to testify about what you guys did uh, wherever I go and talk about this experience here in Brazil. The contact didn't last long. We tried to keep in touch with these people. Eventually we would, eventually we would not. Uh but we reach out to them, not creating the environment for them to come to us. But we put ourselves in a perilous, dangerous situation, humbling ourselves and going to them in their need. They were in need to talk; they needed to discuss. We sat there. We discussed. It was by Friday. The three of us were half dead. We were desperated. There were sometimes we get in the morning to pray and we are so exhausted that we could only uh, cry and pray and, and and stand up and go for another day. But the Lord was gracious with us. Finally the, the, the last one. A year later, a girl came to our university. We heard from her from a friend. From Intervarsity, she was the leader of the Secularist Alliance, something like that. She looked at her this girl, searched her uh, social media, and freaked out. It's like, wow, Intervarsity has a an opposite now. It's a group of secular students who get together to discuss secularism and and these kinds of things. And there we had the perfect opportunity. We had the perfect enemy. We could spend the next years of, uh, of, uh, or college years fighting against this group and discussing with them, having hot debates about with them and, and fighting back and forth. However, God's graciously gives people with different gifts, and this girl came in another meeting and said, "I was looking at this girl's social media, and I think instead of uh, going against her." We should pray for her. And that's what she did. And put all of us doing it. And all of us were praying for her. She was coming to intervastic groups to discuss. We are going to her group to discuss. But more than anything. We are praying for her. God gave us an amazing opportunity. Me, Barbara and a great friend. Barbara with her amazing pastoral skills. One day invited this girl. To come to a Bible study with us. Not a college Bible study, but a church Bible study. She said, okay, why not? It wasn't the friend of this, in the house of this friend, very practical man. We were studying Acts. She came two times and he knows that she was completely lost because we had just finished Luke and we're studying Acts and she was sitting there hearing all these things about the Holy Spirit and sharing the gospel with others. And she never heard the gospel. And, she had, and he said, would you like us to go back and study the gospel with you again? He said, sure. And we spent the next three months, maybe, studying the gospel of John with her. It was an amazing experience. Barbara select John, put me and my friend freaking out because we have a perfect Luke study ready to go there, with all the questions answered, and they select John, which is obviously the perfect gospel to start with secularist students, right? It starts with the Word was with God and was God and came and became flesh. That's the perfect right statement with secular people to start with. They get that, totally. Uh, (laughs) But but was was lovely. Um, over the course of time, she came and said, can I prepare one of the studies? Because I was praying, and we looked at each other. What, what, what do you mean you were praying? No, oh, yeah, I, I started praying a few weeks ago. I said, yeah, prepare the next study. We have the booklet with the, the things. And after a few weeks, then she said, no, because the Holy Spirit was talking with me. And look, she we never talk with this girl about the Holy Spirit. Where did, did she come from with this Holy Spirit talk? And, and that's what takes me to the next word, which is proclamation. Proclamation would be the announcement, literally proclamation of the Word of God. Even when we are not evangelizing, Whenever we are being intentionally evangelistic, as much as possible, when we reach out to other people, we must always faithfully proclaim the word of God. Because it's the, the, the word made flesh that revealed God to us. is the word that testifies about Jesus Christ, in whom we have life. This girl was not transformed uh, because we talked with her about the Holy Spirit. It was because through constantly hearing the proclamation of the word of God, faithfully, God revealed himself to her. And she came to know about the Holy Spirit. And she started praying. And eventually, my very practical friend did what none of us would and said, Would you like to make a prayer of confession of Jesus Christ? in the very evangelical way, at least so we can take this formality off the the way. She said, sure. And we prayed with her, and after that she started confessing herself as Christian. We must always constantly proclaim the word of God faithfully course there are people that are more gifted than others to do so luckily sometimes have priests teachers people who train and equip themselves to do so it can be a sermon it can be a bible study it can be reading the scriptures out loud but we must never cease to proclaim the word of God this is the madness of preaching truth with God chose to save those who are selected to be saved. The last word, and, and and then I'll finish my first half, and the second half is a, a little bit sh- shorter. Um, during the years there, there was only two people that I knew that I, that that me serving the Lord towards evangelization. Um, had result. One was this girl. We walked with her over many years. She's still our friend to this day. The other one was in the church when I was younger, serving with my uh, two other friends. We were doing evangelism in the streets. We would do Bible studies in houses. We'd go to the slums. We'd go helping people on the on the uh, when. The flood destroyed their houses. We do all sorts of things, but one day we were in a, in a public square, literally, and we are doing a, a, a open service. Uh, I, I learned to dance so I could dance the gospel to people. I, I would. I tried theater, but I could remember the lines very well, so only mute theater could work for me. Um, and and this day the worship team was serving the priest the, the pastor there preached the gospel uh and i was there and i turned to one man the one this one man was there and i said to them the classic phrase jesus loves you and i was praying for the people around us. just looked to this man put my hand in his shoulder look in his eyes and said jesus loves you and went doing my stuff three years later i was in a, a, a congress of churches uh I was there praying and was in the worship section. A man come to me, uh, called me and said, do you remember me? I look at him, I have, I have no idea who you are. So, and said, a few years ago, your church was doing evangelism on the street. And I was there because I was uh, transporting drugs and the, the police was around. So I hid in the crowd, not the big crowd, but at least was somebody there. And I was there waiting for the cops to go away. So I could go my way. And, and you came to me and said to me that Jesus loved me. And that, and that started me thinking. And I was like all these people are here singing and talking to me and telling me about the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm here transporting drugs. What am I doing? He left. He threw the drugs away. And the next day he walked in the first church he found God provided that this church had a, a service for drug addicts. He went to their camp and he looked at, and he was telling me that and said, look there. And there was a group of people. I said, that woman is my pastor now. Those are people in, the, in, the, in this uh, group of recoveries from, from, drug, uh, from chemical addiction. And now I serve there, ministering the word of God to others. And this this is what takes me to to my last word. That is witnessing. Because there there was this man telling me this story. There was this girl telling us that that one of the things that amazed her most is that she was at one point in a, a... house of male what's the proper name? roommates yeah all, only male roommates all Christians where the Bible the community house of male people where the Bible studies were taking place the first uh, when she started and he was there once it was past midnight we were playing Magic the Gathering and, and she was amazed because after many hours we there together none of us attempt anything with her and she told us loudly, well, I'm amazed. This is something that I've never seen before. We came with her with love, shared the gospel of Christ with her, prayed for her, not against her. My point is, whether we evangelize, if we're intentional evangelistic or not, When we are outreaching and when we are proclaiming, all these things only make sense and people will only be touched by it if and only if we are true witness to the love, the power and the character of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And only if they can witness in us the love, the power and the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was not that Jesus loves you that shaken that man and made him take the steps towards the church and try to become drug free. It was that he witnessed it in all that we were doing. The love, the power, the character of Lord Jesus Christ. And it shaking him to his face. It, it was not just reading about John. It was not just coming to the Bible study. It was not just staying in the house safely. But it was the witness... Of the love, the power, the character of our God. That take this girl who did not even believe God exists in the first place. To talk about the Holy Spirit. And to give him her, her life to Him. It was not because we are very nice behaved kids. It was not because we have very beautiful words. It was not because we have very nice t-shirts with all kinds of cool things written that made those who listen to us in the LGBTQ community have uh, empathy for us and actually sit with us and take the time to listen to what we had to say it was because by God's grace we could be witness to his love, to his character, to his power to them and they witnessing us that given all that given this body I was thinking then about, so what do we do now? How do we take all this and, and move forward, right? Uh, what, what I could present to the community of St. John's in Vancouver. Um, four points. Remember that we are the body of Jesus Christ. God equip... His body with all sorts of marvelous gifts and ministries and parts. There's not the work of one of us to do it together. We must do it as a body, as a community. You must learn how to work with different gifts. We only were effective reaching for this girl because someone had the gift of mercy and told us we must not pray against her, Mm -hmm. we must pray for her. Because someone had the pastoral sensibility to invite her when she was in need. Because somebody else had the gift of administration to notice that studying acts may not be the most effective things, we must do something else. Right? Let's study a gospel. Only because these things were working together, we're working as a body of Christ, we could be effective in witnessing, in outreaching, in proclaiming. Be ready to walk the second mile. I have a newborn. House, the house has been a mess for three months, only because my mom is here now that we are putting things together. Uh, when we talk about reaching people with the love of Christ, we are talking about people being born again in Jesus Christ. We are talking about newborns in faith. People who don't know how to feed themselves. People who don't know how to, barely know how to see, barely know how to breathe, barely know, definitely don't know how to behave socially. This girl that came to faith. Over the next year, she had a, a maniac depressive attack. Over the next year, we would receive calls in the middle of the day, in the middle of the night. She wanting to go back to her old life and talking with us about. It. She threatening to kill herself. She having a, a, an attack in the middle of the streets and people threatening to. Call the police against her. I wish they once called the police against her. We would, her mom would call us, not knowing what to do because her daughter was through this really hard time, and Barbara and I would there secret her mom, talk with her. Through the second mile, people will come, and the restoration process will start. But just like newborn babies. They will need us to be there. Not just say Jesus loves you. The person believes that. And that's it. There is a, a long mile to walk with them. We saw her father come to pick her from the police. The absent father who she hated for many years. But we we are glad because we could see and witness the power of Christ. Because... On the second year, she was baptized, and all her family was there, and all her family was glad, and all her family could see the power of Christ in the life of their, their daughter, and they, and they were just glad. Be ready, be ready to love. Um, it's very easy to pick up an enemy and go against that people. It's very easy as a church. Take a political party take a specific social group, take a specific a neighbor who is very, very angry at us, take him, make us our enemy, and let's do our uh, uh, community life around this enemy. Right? It's, it's, it's the practical thing to do. Very effective. Everybody loves the enemy to hate. Uh, but that's not the Christian way. That's not what Jesus taught. Be ready to love, especially the most hateful ones. Be ready to pray for those who who curse us, who those who despise us, who those who have more reason to dislike us, be ready to love especially those. And of course, be ready to be hated and despised. Um, I told, told you guys all the, the, the good parts of the testimony. Of course there are all the dark parts of the testimony. The people who would not look in us in the eyes the people who would actively take action against us, the people who would... And, and I believe that that's just because the nature of the gospel. I wrote a paper for, for Ross. I am finished a few uh, last semester about missional church. And my thesis was that the message of the cross, the message of the Bible, the gospel, is a threat to any human society. And he said... Yeah, but the gospel is the best news for the people. And let me clarify. Yes, the gospel is the best news for the human person. But for the society, for the structures, for the orders of power, is a threat. And whenever it threatens someone, they try to respond violently if they don't see any other way around. Picture this in your mind. Imagine a lovely Sunday morning. People from the rich North Vancouver take their cars, pass through uh, West Side Hastings, pick some people up, and come for service. However, they are not just serving them like superior to inferior, they are talking with each other as brothers. They come to service, and a little bit before services start, a powerful CEO comes to a, a former homeless man, Asking for prayer and advice, because he de- desperately needs to take some decisions on his company, and he doesn't feel secure. And these men advise him, and this men pray for him. On the Sunday, at uh, the time the child comes out of service for the Sunday school, the lovely mothers and fathers deliver the kids to former porn stars and call girls for them to teach the word of the gospel. To the little kids. After service, we're going to have a lunch together, and a Korean man, Punjabi woman, a lovely um, Canadian woman prepare a multi-color and flavor lunch for all of us, and we are all celebrating because on the previous Saturday, a man, Japanese man using his western suit, married an Indian woman, Indian girl, wearing traditional Indian wedding ceremony dressing. Celebrated by a priest who not only struggles with homosexuality, but was called to serve God and has been doing so faithfully. This simple picture goes against Many values that our social order, our Vancouver, who is very respectful of many things, believe to be right. And if anything I said sounds weird to you, imagine how it sounds to our neighbors who doesn't know Jesus Christ. The love of God, the power of Jesus Christ. And my point with all these things is basically, be ready to die not not just individually to get ourselves on the cross, but even as, as a group, as a community, as an institution, uh, St. John's Vancouver need to be ready to die, To to let itself get a little bit more messy, a little bit more disordered maybe when people start coming in, or giving up some of its credibility, some of its credit. Because when we start sharing the gospel, when we start talking with people, when we start testifying about the power, the love, and the character of our God, we will be both loved and hated. And if they called the Lord, a good, imagine what they call us who are His servants. I'd like to pray. Lord, you called us into this ministry, you called us into this service. And I pray, please let us be the, the ministers of reconciliation. There are still many questions unanswered. There are still many steps to be taken. There is still um, so much about how to reach this generation. But I pray that you may guide us through the steps. I pray that you may guide us, uh, give us the wisdom we need, give us the love. For our neighbors, love for these people who you love, people who you gave your son for them, people who for whom you died on the cross, Jesus, um, and have mercy on us. Help us to overcome our fear, to overcome our pride, to overcome whatever it might be in your own, in your way to to serve these people. Pray, in Jesus' name.